Hey guys, I'm going to go ahead and start recording the meeting now. Um, you know, like I'd mentioned just briefly in light of the COVID-19 situation and just making sure all of us are staying home and safe. Um, I'm actually conducting this hug um, webinar from my own apartment. Um, usually we'd have a nice room in the HubSpot office um, that is soundproof. However, because I'm at home, it's not totally soundproof. So you may hear some noises such as, um, you know, cars going down the streets, sirens, maybe the occasional construction noise somehow. Um, and so if you hear one of those, I'd ask you just to bear with me. I know a lot of us are remote. A lot of us are trying to be safe and staying indoors. I hope you stay well. Um, I'm really excited to discuss this topic today. Um, when I was a consultant, this was one of my favorite topics because there are so many implications to building a good chatbot. There's so many advantages to having a chatbot on your site that can allow you to scale your marketing, sales, and service business operations. Um, so without much more delay, let's get right into it. I'm Adi Shah, I'm partner professor here at HubSpot Academy. I am, uh, I say I'm a recovering um, HubSpot consultant, uh, mostly as a joke in the sense that I really enjoyed my consulting work. Um, I used to be um, a CRM and sales consultant and then um, joined the HubSpot Premier Services team and really was kind of a Swiss Army consultant working with a number of different um, customers who are dealing with issues around their sales hub, marketing hub, service hub, strategy, um, technical help, a lot, a lot of things in there. And so I had a great time doing that and uh, now I'm on Academy and having the time of my life. It's, it's amazing. I'm a professional musician outside of work. I'm an Indian classical vocalist and I can talk for hours on end about business strategy, project management, partner education and credentials. That's particularly close to my heart. Um, Harry Potter, of course, really, really important. Uh, visual art and any kind of music, but particularly singing or vocal music. So if you like any of those things, feel free to reach out to me over LinkedIn and we can have a nice conversation. I look forward to it. So today we're gonna to be going through this agenda and doing a couple of quick icebreaker questions. In fact, I will have polling at the bottom um, that I'm gonna turn on. And when you see these polls, um, you're gonna be able to vote on the answer to a question that I've put there. So stay tuned for that. We're gonna talk a little bit then about the why behind chatbots, um, the business rationale, uh, somewhat of a cautionary note about using a powerful feature like chatbots. Something, you know, chatbots are very effective when used correctly um, and you wanna be careful about using them incorrectly and so I talk a little bit about that. We're then gonna get, get into the nitty gritty about content strategy which is really the backbone of any good chatbot strategy. So we're gonna get into that and I'm gonna give you some of the best practices that I have seen um, from seeing other expert users, from my own experience, and um, from the interwebs, the learnings of the interwebs. <laughs> so we will be talk talking about this and uh, we'll have some time to answer questions too as we're going through these sections. I'll also have examples that I'm featuring because it's helpful to bring it all together in an example. So we'll see examples of successful and, non and unsuccessful chatbots. We will also be taking a look at chatbot metrics. So the metrics you can use to determine whether or not your investment in a chatbot was worth it and how to tweak your chatbot to get better results, etc. And And finally, we're going to end um, with a recap of what we've discussed so far. 
So real quickly, I'm gonna go ahead and put some polling questions out there that you're gonna be able to see. Um, you're gonna see these four questions. Have you ever tried to design a chatbot before? Has a chatbot annoyed you before? Have you fielded live chat requests before? And how many of you think Adisha is a disguised, <laughs> super intelligent chatbot or AI agent? So you're gonna see these questions. Um, go ahead and take a minute to answer them now. Let me know if you have any questions. Feel free to chat with me in the, in the live chat in this Zoom conference in case you have any questions or concerns. Yep, so it looks like everyone's seeing the polls. Wow, you guys are really quick. Wow, I'm, uh, wow. Some of these answers I'm not surprised by. I kind of expected the direction in which you'd lean. Some of these are surprising. Give you just uh, uh, 10, 20 seconds more. All right, so I'm gonna share these results with you. Um, have you ever tried to design a chatbot before? The vast majority of you, um, it, it, interesting, actually, it's not as uh, stark as I thought it was in the beginning. It looked a little stark. It looks like um, most of you, just over half have not designed one before, but close to half of you have. Um, both, of, both groups are in the right place. If you've never designed a chatbot before, this will give you um, an introduction to some key fundamentals that'll help you start off on the right foot. If you have built chatbots before, this will maybe um, reinforce some of those lessons around best practices, and you will get to build an even better chatbot. Has a chatbot annoyed you before? Vast majority of you said yes, but some really patient people here, almost 18% saying that chatbot has not annoyed you before. That's incredible. I expected this to be 100% yes. Um, I can only speak for myself and my and other customers I've, I've, I've worked with, but I think most of us have encountered an annoying chatbot before. So we probably have some really patient, angelic personalities um, in this webinar today. So that's, that's wonderful. Um, kudos to you for your patience. Um, have you fielded live chat requests before? So actually, uh, some, some of you definitely have. That's pretty cool. If you have fielded live chat requests before, which means that you are the person on the other side of the live chat, responding to a prospect or a visitor to a site. Um, having that experience, I think, will enable you to build better chatbots because you kind of, you have a sense for what the conversations are like. Um, and then finally, how many of you think I am a super intelligent um, AI-driven chatbot or a disguised AI agent? And, you know, we've got a nice spread there. Uh, we've got we've got a good chunk of people who think I am. So um, I think I think that's a compliment for sure. Uh, uh, you know, having the word super intelligent or AI associated is definitely a compliment. And many of you think I'm not, and I think that's a compliment too because you're saying I'm I'm very human and relatable. So either way, it's a win-win for me. So I appreciate uh, that compliment on your side. And so now we're going to go into the why behind chatbots. Now that we've had a chance to interact a little and learn a little bit about what brings us here. So there are two main kinds of chatbots, and it's really important to distinguish between them when we're talking about the why. You've got the lead generation chatbot, 
Um, and that's the kind of chatbot we're going to focus on today, mostly. Um, this is the chatbot that helps connect the marketing and sales processes. It helps drive lead acquisition. It helps with sales qualification, MQLs and SQLs. Uh, it helps with closing sales in certain cases. Um, and, and if you're thinking, wait a minute, Adi, is it a marketing chatbot or a sales chatbot? Um, I'm going to tell you, and it shouldn't come as a surprise, that the lines that divide marketing, sales, and service are growing thinner and thinner. Um, I would even say that they are arbitrary, those divisions. They're, you know, when we speak of departments and where we work, it's one thing to say marketing and sales. But when we think about the business function, um, really, they're intertwined. Um, and so this lead generation chatbot really kind of kind of obliterates that boundary between the two. Um, the chatbot is very, you know, when built correctly, a lead generation chatbot is very important for marketing and it's very important for sales. Both sides benefit and build upon each other's success with the chatbot. So, so this is the kind of chatbot you'll often encounter on a pricing page, on a home page, um, offering some guidance here and there, trying to be helpful. That's a lead generation chatbot. Um, there's also a support chatbot. This is very important. This chatbot collects um, um, any issues. Let's say you, you sign into a support portal for a website that you subscribe to or service, and they have a chatbot that asks you questions. Um, often with um, financial websites, they have chatbots that, an that answer questions about people's retirement accounts, et cetera, et cetera. So you can file a ticket, you can reach out to someone for help, it gives you options, helps you narrow down your issue. These are great chatbots and these are very important. We're not going to be talking about them as much today. Um, but, but I'm, you know, I'm thinking if you've been listening to, if you, if you listen to what I said about the division being arbitrary, you're probably going to ask, well, Adi, you, you just said that the division is arbitrary. So why have you divided between these two chatbots? Um, you're completely correct. You're ahead of the curve. The division between marketing sales and services is arbitrary. However, um, these two chatbots are are somewhat different in how you build them and what kind of questions you ask and the tone around them. And so I, I don't want to um, uh, say that we're going to be talking about both equally. We'll be talking about lead generation chatbots more. But luckily, the lessons that we learn from this conversation are applicable to support chatbots as well. Let's talk a little bit about the business rationale. So if you take a look at this diagram here, and I'm just going to read it out for you a little bit. 81% of people who took this survey trust the advice of friends and family over businesses. And this is not too surprising. I tend to trust my friends and family um, and reviews much more than the business themselves. Uh, um, if I read a press release that says something is really impressive, I'm not necessarily gonna be convinced until I talk to someone I trust who has used that software or that product or service. And similarly, it's, it's, it's unsurprising that we don't, the, the survey respondents, and I'm, I'm saying us in general because of the size of the survey, I'm extrapolating a little bit, but we don't trust companies um, as much as we used to before. We don't trust company press releases. We don't trust ads. Uh, we don't trust sponsored social media. So in this case, we tend to trust something that is personalized, something we know, uh, families and friends. Um, prospects that we can see ourselves in um, through reviews. Now, now that we've talked about this lack of trust, adding to this complexity is a growth in the cost 
of content-based customer acquisition costs. So what I mean by that is um, customer acquisition cost has been going up. It, it's been pretty high for paid. It costs a certain amount of money through paid ads to, to get paid customers, um, to get customers. But the, the cost of content marketing itself is also going up. Um, and, and the reason behind this, and, and you know, you could say that HubSpot is to blame <laughs> to a certain extent because we've put out so many resources on how to do content marketing, and we're happy to take the blame for that um, because content marketers have been doing better and better. They're more successful. They're commanding higher salaries. Uh, there's more money being put into content marketing efforts. And so because it's successful, it's, it's, a little, it's getting more expensive. Um, that's not a bad thing. It just means that as the head of a marketing department, you probably want to think about some things to offset that increased cost and to disrupt it a little and find a way to connect directly with your prospects and customers again. And, and combined with this lack of trust that we talked about and this increasing customer acquisition cost, uh, this, this one is perhaps the least surprising, this particular graphic, it shows that we are really impatient <laughs> all of us and the people in this survey, but I think they, they really speak for all of us. No matter what stage of the life cycle we're at, 59% um, of people in the marketing stage want an immediate answer, 75% in the sales stage want an immediate answer, and post sales and support, they want an immediate answer. And it's really, I mean, we shouldn't be uh, surprised by this. Oh, looks like I'm cutting out a little bit here. Hello? My mic seems to be on. Oh, yep, yep, looks like I'm back. Okay, sorry about that. We're, uh, you know, we're all adjusting to this remote life. So as, as I was saying, there's a, <laughs> when I used to be a team lead on HubSpot support way back in the day, uh, this is years ago, I had no beard, I was a mere child. Um, we used to joke around and say, I wonder if people are willing to wait to get an answer for two hours as opposed to like having us call them now or us responding to them now. And, and the answer is no one wants to wait for a question, least of all a support question. So this is not too surprising. People are losing trust in companies saying that they're great, companies tooting their own horn. <laughs> they're losing trust in that. They tend to trust their family and friends. Um, the cost of even good content marketing, let alone paid ads, the cost of customer acquisition uh, associated with those strategies is rising and everyone's impatient. And so when you need that kind of immediate response um, and adjustment to these changing times, chatbots can be um, a very, very helpful tool. They can give you some unique advantages. So if you've noticed, all of these re results that I've been showing you are HubSpot research. So I bet a couple of you are thinking, all right, Adi, that's great. Um, we're drinking the Kool-Aid now, uh, but what about some non-HubSpot results, huh? So I have those for you. So take a second to read that. Over 50% of customers in this survey expect a business to be open 24 seven. And that's from 2016 from Oracle. <laughs> so we are far away from that point. I am willing to bet anything that that number is much higher today. Uh, it's, it's just what we're used to in our lives. So 
this should not be very surprising, but it is something to take into account as we think about chatbots. 67% of US millennials said they're likely to purchase products and services from brands using a chatbot. Uh, this is from 2018. Uh, and I, I think this number is also on the rise. I've, I can recall the last few times I've made transactions online, almost every time I've interacted with a chatbot of some sort. Uh, and the experience is in, in, in most of the cases been pretty good. Um, you know, we're all learning in every space. Nothing's going to be 100% perfect, but this is still an important metric to keep in mind as you think about why you want to build a chatbot. And by 2020, and uh, if you read this, you're probably going, hey, Adi, we're in 2020 already. You need to update this. Um, I included this in here um, just so that we can reflect on where we are. Um, I'd say this says 85% of consumer interactions will be handled without a human agent. I think, I think we're past that point at this point. I think, I think tons and tons and tons more than 85% are being handled without human agents. Um, and, and that's not too surprising. It's more efficient. Um, there's some clear advantages to it. So now that we've taken a look at these metrics, let's, let's maybe summarize some of them. And so this owl is really surprised, but Mr. Owl, you should not be surprised. This is just the direction in which our world is moving. You have to accept it and move with it. <laughs> so a well-designed chatbot, oh, looks like I'm cutting out again. Hello. Yeah, it looks like I'm back. Remote struggles, but we will get through this. So well-designed chatbots can lower your customer acquisition cost, as we discussed earlier. Um, when, you, when you think in terms of your, the cost of acquiring customers through marketing, uh, it can lower interaction volumes. So the calls, live chats, emails that are going into your support teams, your sales staff, it, you know, repetitive questions, things that can be answered um, a little bit more quickly for visitors to your site, it can automate a lot of that. Therefore, it increases employee productivity by leaving them to focus on the really challenging questions that chatbots cannot answer. And it also in increases employee happiness because they're, then they don't feel like automatons. You know, they're answering questions that are valuable. They're, they're contributing real value with their expertise. So it's, it's better for your team. It's better for you. It's better, it's better for your customer and your prospects. Um, so well-designed chatbots can also scale your front office operations. So marketing, sales, and service are what I define as the front office. That's the generally accepted definition uh, without adding headcount. Now, particularly in these times, you know, when we're, you know, the economy is struggling a bit, that's something to keep in mind. Um, how can we get the most use out of what we're doing today? Because, you know, we, we have the saying here, you know, if we just throw humans at the problem, you're not really making great use of that ingenuity and brilliance that humans bring that chatbots cannot bring. And, and so in this particular case, for things that humans should not be doing that are you know, essentially wasting their time and, and really misusing their creative potential. We can maybe reallocate some of that drudgery to chatbots. We also have uh, the advantage of being able to generate lots and lots of data through chatbots. So every time a chatbot interacts with someone, every time someone chats with it, it can store that information, if you're a HubSpot customer, in HubSpot. 
So if they, when they give you their email, you can store them, add them as a lead, and then everything they answer, all the questions they answer, you can store that information and then understand them better so that you can better satisfy them with your service or product. Um, and so it's, it's a fantastic way to get to know your prospects, a better way to get to know your customers, your leads, um, lots and lots of advantages all around there. And of course, the most obvious thing that we discussed is that chatbots don't sleep, you know? They, they're here 24 seven to delight leads and they provide that immediate help. Um, and so these are some really good advantages, um, uh, a real, a good why for why you should be using chatbots when you think about it or when you think about presenting this to your leadership um, or if you are leadership. And so, you know, I think, I think, I think it's appropriate to dance at this moment. Um, that's a real gift, by the way. This, she's really dancing about chatbots, um, and I respect that. You know, this is much. This, this is my reaction to when someone builds a good chatbot. I feel like dancing, um, and so I just wanted. To, I wanted you to know that. Um, you know, all of us are nerds here. This is a safe space for us nerds, um, and so I think we can all relate to this and and really feel at home here. There. Uh, yeah, there's another side to the coin here. A cautionary note. So I'll give you a second just to look at these. Woof. 30% <laughs> worry that a chatbot would make a make a mistake. 43% mm. prefer to deal with a real life assistant. 47% of adult internet users in America felt that chatbots had too many unhelpful responses. See, um, I would tell you that these statistics are going down. If I, you know, I, I wish I could tell you that, but the reality is that that's just not the case yet because, um, you can't like there's no button you can press that designs the perfect chatbot no matter how good the tools are they require the business building the chatbot to understand what the chatbot has to do and to follow the best practices we're going to discuss in this so another one that's this one is actually kind of funny um 46 of respondents believe that chatbots are used specifically to keep them away from live agents and to that accusation i have only to say How'd you figure this out? Because yes, absolutely. <laughs> From Uber to other big companies, like there's an active attempt to use a chatbot or something like a chatbot to cut down on human interaction and to give answers quicker. Now, if you build a chatbot like that, it should not feel to the person who's interacting with it that you're trying to keep them away from a person. That's not how it should be. And so this is a work in progress for everyone. So I found this kind of funny. Yeah, I think I think that reaction is pretty accurate right there. If you you know if you if you encounter a chatbot that's trying to keep you away from a human, so I think that's on point. And so, what does this boil down to? Does it mean you should be afraid? You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. No, it simply means you need to set aside time and resources to monitor your chatbot daily, um, and I mean daily by that. And so, not not weekly, not monthly, not yearly, but daily. You should also define a clear purpose for your chatbot. This is something we're gonna be discussing. What is it actually doing? It can't simply be the shiny new thing on your site. It has to have a very clear dispassionate purpose. 
Um, this chatbot should be passionate, but the reasoning behind it should be um, dispassionate. Uh, you should have a clear goal in mind. You should also ma make sure to set aside additional time to test and refine the conversational design. So you're, you probably look at this and think, wait a minute, Adi, isn't this the same as monitoring the chatbot? It's not. Um, monitoring the chatbot is one thing, but then taking everything you've learned from that monitoring and actually changing the chatbot, adjusting it, refining it is a secondary thing. Um, that's some additional time you want to set aside. And finally, you want to always be learning. Now, after this presentation, you're going to get um, a document from me with lots of links to additional sites to learn more about chatbots. Um, in this presentation, you saw a couple of links to chatbots magazine, a couple of other sources. I would subscribe to those if I were you, because this is an evolving space. And it pays to be um, at the cutting edge of it. All right, so now we've talked about the why about why you shouldn't do something or you should do something. Let's talk about the how we're gonna do it. So what is conversational design or conversational strategy? Good bots don't grow on trees, and I had to include this graphic, it's just perfect. It's a, it's a tree with dollar signs, it, I don't know, it's just, it had to be included. So, Uh, I think, okay, I think I'm back. Cool. So good bots don't grow on trees because if they did, everyone would have one. And maybe in the future they will, but right now they don't. So if you take the principles of UX design and copywriting and you bring them together, that's what tailoring chatbot dialogue is all about. You are trying to predict user behavior and you're trying to tailor your dialogue accordingly. And there's a really interesting way to put this. I really like this quote by uh, Margaret Jabzinski here. It says, the bricks we build our architecture with our words. This is a powerful thing to think about when you're building chatbots. Um, your words matter so much. Word choice, how you choose to present something. I'll give you a second just to look over those. So you begin by building a flow chart. You start with a polite or helpful greeting and question. You have a helpful error message. You identify your audience. You provide a clear fail safe, provide clickable options, economize on branches and ditch the human act. Now, you know, as you know, when you read about this presentation, uh, a prerequisite for joining this is to have photographic memory. So I expect that you have already memorized all of this um, prior to moving forward. Um, if you haven't, too late. I'm kidding. There's going to be a summary at the end, um, and we're going to include everything and, and try and reinforce it. So don't worry. So let's start with beginning um, with a flow chart. So in this particular instance, before we talk about a flow chart, I want to ask you another polling question here. Okay. So I'm going to ask you another polling question here, and I want I'm going to give you about 30 seconds to take it. Okay. Can you see the poll? Wow, 70% have already answered. You guys are fast. 
All right. I'm going to end the poll and share the results with you. So the question was, have you built a workflow containing if-then branching logic before in HubSpot? The vast majority of you have built a workflow before. So that's perfect because that's what this flowchart is supposed to be. So before you go into the chatbot tool, I'm saying that you should design the entire conversation. So literally, if you look on the diagram on the side here, if you look at this right here, and I'm, I'm gonna see if I can annotate this. Um, this is probably the more fun part about doing these things remote is I can draw squiggly lines. So if you look at this here, it starts with a question. This is a chatbot for the HubSpot for Startups program that we have. There's a HubSpot for Startups program and there's a chatbot on the page for it. And the first question is, have you received funding or have you been part of an accelerator? This is for startups. And so if, this, uh, if the person responding says, yes, I have been a part of an accelerator, received funding or no, if they say yes, there's a particular branch that asks them further questions. Um, if they say no, there's another branch. And so the purpose of this chatbot is to find out who's qualified for this program. Now, the reason you wanna build this before going in is because there isn't a single chatbot tool on this earth that isn't frustrating the first time around. And the reason it is frustrating is because it's very difficult to figure out exactly what's happening um, in the tool when you go in. It's, it's hard to see the full picture. Now, um, I'm gonna stop sharing just for a second here because it stopped and then I'm gonna reshare. All right, cool. Um, so it's very difficult to be able to tell exactly what's happening when you're in the tool because suddenly you build a branch and then you can't see the whole branch. So then you go back and then, but wait a minute, I lost the other branch, but wait, where's the other one? So I've seen people get so frustrated. And so I used to joke as a consultant and say that um, I'm going to be providing technical support, strategic support, and emotional support when people are building chatbots for the first time. Um, and so if you built a flowchart before going in, you're going to save yourself a lot of pain um, and you're going to have a much more pleasant experience building a chatbot. And there are online tools for this. If you, if you don't like paper, um, I can't rem remember the last time I've done anything significant on paper with my hands. Um, you can use creately.com or notely or another one of these services to um, learn more about chatbots. And so I had an alarm here for the sections and it looks like we're right on time. Um, but we're gonna go and move to the next one here. So we're gonna start with beginning a flowchart, and then we're gonna go into the next point, which is building with a polite, helpful greeting right at the beginning. Now, this is important because how many of you have encountered, and, and just chat, go ahead and put it in the chat. How many of you have encountered a situation in which you go and talk to a chatbot, or you start to talk to a chatbot, and they don't even ask you how you are, they don't ask you why you're there, um, they just try and sell to you. How many of you have encountered a situation in which the chatbot is basically trying to sell to you and doesn't seem to actually care about who you are and what you need? So I got a couple of people plus wanting there, um, and I'm not exactly right. Some people are saying not personalized at all. Too often, yes. So yes to all of that, and, and that is a real problem if you're building a chatbot. You do not want to do that. You want to extract value you don't want to try and extract value like that. You want to actually give value first and then extract value later. Um, this is an important part about HubSpot. You give value first, 
prior to extracting it. And the reason is because people will simply not engage with your chatbot. You'll see people dropping off after the first question. Um, it won't be a good experience. And your experiment with the chatbot, the first time you launch it, will not go correctly. So give yourself a fighting chance. Start with a polite, helpful greeting and ask them what they're there for. Um, are they there to file a support ticket? Are they a customer? Um, are they there to learn more about your pricing? Do they want to learn more about a particular product or service? If they have a question, um, do they just want to talk to a person because um, they feel really frustrated with something that's going on? So you want to provide that option or those options to people in that polite, helpful question in the beginning. So we're going to be talking more about that as we go along. This one is really important too. So again, I'm gonna ask you to respond in the chat. Have you ever had a situation where a chatbot makes a mistake and then says something along the lines of, oops, I made a mistake. And you're thinking, well, duh, I know you made a mistake. I know you made a mistake. That's why it's an error message. But it's not a very helpful error message. If you made a mistake, saying you made a mistake is not that helpful. What would be better is saying something along the lines of, Oops, it looks like we've, um, we've fallen short here. Um, why don't you go ahead and call this number so that a smart human can help you out right now? Why don't you go ahead and email us here so that we can get in touch with you? Sorry for your inconvenience. So that is a better approach in an error message rather than just saying, oops, I made an error and being Captain Obvious. The audience is really important. For some of you um, veteran inbound marketers here, you're probably getting antsy, like he hasn't mentioned the audience so far. When's he gonna mention the audience? Um, I know, I feel you. I'm in the same, <laughs> I'm in the same boots here. I, I, I feel the same way. So it's important to know who you're building this for, what page the chatbot is gonna sit on. Because if it sits on your homepage versus a pricing page, that's a very different situation. If people are on your pricing page, the kind of questions they're gonna ask are to, gonna be necessarily different because they've navigated to that page. Which personas do you want to cater it to? So um, I know that personas are popular among HubSpot customers as they should be. Um, this is another application of personas. You want to think about a persona for this chatbot or a couple of different personas. Finally, you want to make sure you're talking to your different teams as you're building this chatbot. So your front office teams, your marketing, sales, and service teams, they've been talking to customers. They've been interacting with prospects. They've been going back and forth. They actually know what people want. So talk to them. And we're back. Um, this is like uh, every couple of minutes, I see a small outage and then it's back. We'll get through it, we'll get through it, we'll power through. So. Communicate with your team, write down the questions that they get from prospects, customers, et cetera, and, and use those when you're designing the chatbot. Incorporate them into the chatbot. Think about the persona, what page the chatbot's gonna sit on, and who you're building this for. Now, this is an interesting word. You've probably heard the term fail-safe as like, you know, some kind of an insurance. Like, if this doesn't work out, then at least I have this. So in, in, the, in the context of a chatbot, a failsafe is really allowing the user who's chatting with the chatbot to control the direction of the conversation. So for example, I'm gonna read something out here on the, on the right-hand side. There's a question that says, 
um, or a response from a chatbot that says, great, here's a fact sheet to get you started. And then it provides a fact sheet. And then it says, is this what you were hoping for? And then you can either say yes, no, or can I talk to a human? Now, this is really clever because if people want to talk to a human and don't want to bother chatting with the chatbot, then they can go ahead and indicate that and then you can chat with them. So that allows the person interacting with the chatbot to control the direction of the conversation. Because if you've gone really far down the rabbit hole and you want to get all the way to the back, all the way to the top, or you want to go back a couple of questions, um, it can be really difficult when you're chatting with a chatbot. It's not like a person where you can just tell them, hey, can we go back a couple of questions and review that again? That's tricky to do. But if you include these clickable options and you give people that fail safe to be able to go back to whatever they want to talk about, that's great. That's a great experience for them. They're more likely to go on. That dovetails nicely into our next point. You should provide clickable options. So how many of you have noticed that when we type stuff quickly, we tend to misspell it? right? Like it's, it's a real problem. Um, even words like life cycle stage. Oh, this is, this is funny. We, we once kept track of how many times everyone was misspelling life cycle or, or some other common word like that, just because you're typing fast. This can be really tricky if your chatbot inputs require people to type, because if they mistype something, then the, then the input's not going to process. The chatbot's going to say, uh, I don't know what this is. Instead of subjecting people to that kind of um, um, that kind of problem where they have to like reread what they've written and add additional friction to their process, you should just include clickable options. So just give them the options, allow them to click on the one that works for them, simplify it for the person chatting with the chatbot, and then make it easier for you on the back end to collect those responses and build nice lists off of them. So for example, here in the welcome message, it says, what's on your mind? And then it, it asks them to click on a menu item, like buy tickets, check hours, who's inducted, what's on display. This is um, from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, um, which is a famous HubSpot chatbot case study, which we're gonna talk about. So if, if they had kept this as like a free text input here, <laughs> um, there could be a lot of problems. People would misspell stuff. Um, uh, people would be entering in names of artists, et cetera. Uh, which is not bad by itself. It makes it difficult to provide a good experience. So having these clickable options instead makes for a better experience. So now this is, this is an interesting one. How many of you have built a workflow that was way too long? Like branches on branches on branches, like 50 branches, 25 branches, 100 branches. And then, you know, it just keeps going. It just keeps going. I once had a workflow uh, I was auditing as a, uh, when I was a consultant that was so large that we zoomed out and we still couldn't see the whole workflow. And then, you know, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, there, there has to be a better way to do this. And well, we looked into it and guess what? I needed 10 branches to do all of that work. Not like whatever ungodly amount of branches there were on that workflow. It's the same with chatbots. When, when you go in and you start just building a chatbot without a plan, you're going to have branches and branches and branches. And then suddenly one branch of your chatbot is really well built out and the other one's really, you know, it, it has nothing. It's like, imagine if one of your arms is super muscular and the other one was super wimpy. That's what it is. So that's important to keep in mind, just giving you a second to read this. Um, you want to make sure that you've got the right branches here. 
Now, another thing to keep in mind as you're building this is there's going to be a temptation to keep adding branches. You don't want that either. You want to have just the right amount of branches, just the right amount of questions, and then build each of them out equally as much as is needed to finish them. We're going to be talking more about that in a second. Now, finally, how many of you have encountered chatbots? And you can go ahead and chat, but I'm confident about this. You've encountered chatbots who've tried to be humans or tried to pretend that they're human. Now, this is very dangerous because your chatbot is not equipped, is not intelligent enough to pull this off. Um, and in fact, uh, people find it creepy. <laughs> there's, a, there's legislation in California to curb this that essentially prevents chatbots from pretending to be human. Now, if the chatbot has sophisticated natural languaging processing, natural language processing capabilities, um, and like, you know, complex decision trees constructed by a developer, um, and we're going to see an example of that, then they can definitely be a little bit more interactive. But even those chatbots, even the, the, the most impressive chatbots built with developers backing them up, even they don't pretend to be human because um, it, it doesn't work. Um, and, and it's almost, it's, it's kind of against the law in some places. And, and I personally expect that there will be more legislation around this to, in the future. Um, because, uh, people, people don't like it in that instance. They don't trust chatbots to, um, to behave the same way that a human does. The other thing is we're not, we're not as forgiving of chatbots. So we're very forgiving if, if humans make a mistake. Um, and this is, been proven in when you look at live chat versus chatbots, we're forgiving because we think that they can fix it. But with chatbots, when a chatbot does a bad job, people just <laughs> jump ship. They don't want to engage anymore. So give yourself a fighting chance again. Don't pretend to be a human. And and keep in mind the laws that are affecting this. I'll be providing more information on this um, um, after the presentation as well so that you can read upon it. Cool. So like I said before, I expected you to memorize all of this and I know you have photographic memories, but just in case for those of you like me who do not have photographic memories, um, this is a nice little um, thing I came up with that'll help you memorize this. Is your chatbot ready to be shipped? So the B is from begin by building a flowchart. Start with a polite, helpful greeting and question. Have a helpful error message. Identify your audience. Provide a clear fail safe. Provide clickable options. Economize on branches and ditch the human act. So is your chatbot ready to be shipped? I was, I was really very, very excited when I figured this out. I thought I'd, I'd come up with the greatest educational strategy on the face of the earth. Um, it isn't that, but it's still, hopefully it can, it, it'll, it'll sit in your mind as something like, you know, are you ready to ship your chatbot? Is it ready to be shipped? So now that we've talked about that, um, I'm going to give us a minute here just to drink something, stretch out for a second, and then we're going to talk about examples. I'm just reading the questions here just for a few seconds uh, while everyone takes a break and then comes back. Yeah, Maddie um, Kentigan, there's a, there's a really good point you said, you know, just in case anything happens, here's all our contact info. That's super nice. I agree. Um, it's, it's nice to have some kind of 
um, qualification there when something goes wrong or anything unexpected happens in a conversation. It's a good point. Yeah, we do have analytics tied to chatbots, David. Um, Dave Orecchio, I think, is saying it. We do, and we're going to be talking about those. Um, and so, um, well, I'll be talking about metrics that you can use. There's some more advanced studies that unfortunately I can't get into today just because of the, the time constraints we have, but we'll get pretty far. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and get into the examples now. I hope you got a second to just breathe there. All right, so this is GrowthBot. This is one of my favorite chatbots. Um, it is a very sophisticated chatbot. It has developers backing it up. Um, let's take a look and see if this is ready to be shipped, right? So if you take a look at this chatbot, I'm going to answer some of those for you. Um, the flowchart part, you know, when it comes to begin by building a flowchart and having a helpful error message, you can't see the error message on the screenshot. And you also can't see the flowchart behind this, but initially when GrowthBot was designed by, by our own Dermish, um, uh, HubSpot co-founder, there was a flowchart, there was a plan. It became much more complex. And so if we think about it, um, if we look here, it has a nice greeting. It doesn't have a question, but it says, for ideas on what I can do, type and give me a hint. Intriguing, inviting, it, it leads people to type. Um, it knows its audience. So it has questions like, um, show me public companies using HubSpot. And when you go ahead and um, type that in or click on that, it'll go ahead and show you um, public companies using HubSpot. And so it knows its audience. It knows that it's catering to business professionals who have questions about software tech stack, who's using what, um, what are the technologies this site is using, um, et cetera, et cetera. It has a fail safe. Um, in all of these cases, like, you know, when you, when you type something you want, uh, the, the fail safe in this situation is anytime you can type something and it'll redirect its course. So it's got like a built-in fail safe that's actually fairly advanced. Um, it does not have clickable options, as we can see. Yeah, oh, I'm back, okay. It does not have clickable options. It, um, the branches is interesting. This is a very intelligent chatbot, so I'm going to leave that as a surprise here for a second. Uh, we're going to discuss it. And then ditching the human act. If you notice, it says, I am GrowthBot. It does not say, um, I am Dermish. <laughs> it says, I am GrowthBot. That is humble. GrowthBot is a very humble chatbot, despite having very, very powerful capabilities and actually having natural language processing capabilities. So now if you look at this, the only two I haven't marked are clickable options and economize on branches. Because, number one, this is a very smart chatbot that has a developer team behind it that is able to allow people to do some free text input. They've, they've built in they've built in a number of possibilities. And they don't need to economize on branches because it's all, they're using machine learning. And so it's uh, using machine learning and a couple, you know, various other techniques. They, they've built up a branching logic that cannot easily be drawn out, but it exists. So this is a good chatbot. It has a couple of caveats because it's very advanced. But the results speak for themselves. There's 105,000 users in two years. And this is actually an old metric. So um, the numbers uh, has gone up and up since then. 
now this one this one's kind of funny this is an anonymous example um, and I'm gonna read it out to you because I think this is a little difficult to read so I I joined this chatbot and I go, went ahead and clicked on it and as soon as I as soon as I clicked on the chatbot a question popped up hey there I'm Eric or something I'm here to get basic information about you and your query to that I replied hello are you a chatbot um, and it said, it's so good to meet you. Can I get your official email address in case we get disconnected? And I was like, wow, that's a little rude. He totally ignored my question. I asked him if he was a chatbot and he just said it was good to meet me. And so I said, no, I don't want to give you my email. So then it says, I'm sorry, that does not look like a valid email address. Please provide your official email address to proceed. And I was like, wow, that's a, that's a little pushy. I'm just trying to get to know you here. Um, no, again. Now, the, the, the funny part was that um, this, this test chatbot that was built had many, many responses like this because the, uh, the team that built it forgot to actually design a conversational strategy and just put a chatbot live with minimal editing. Now, that's what happens. It, it doesn't interact well with um, the people who are visiting the site and no one provides any information. So you have all these interactions, but you don't have anything to show for those interactions. So, so in this case, is this chatbot ready to be shipped? I would say, I don't think this checks any of the boxes we have. I don't think there's a flowchart. If you can look at, you can see by just by looking at the conversation that there isn't a flowchart. There's no plan. Um, there isn't, there's somewhat of a greeting at the beginning, but it's, it's actually just kind of robotic, like in the sense of, I would like to learn about you and your query. Um, not the best language when you're trying to engage with people. Um, depending on your brand. Um, there's no error message that's helpful here. Um, there's the, they don't seem to know their audience extremely well. Um, there isn't a fail save. There's no option to control the conversation. There are no clickable options. Uh, there's no branching logic. And it's, it was pretending to be a human. Um, and so this is, this is what you don't want to do. Um, you want to avoid this kind of chatbot. Now, the last one here is a famous example for HubSpot, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Now, this chatbot, let's see if it's ready to be shipped. So if you look at this now here, it has, hi, Adi, thanks for reaching out. What's on your mind? We're monitoring these messages and responding as fast as we can. You can also click on the menu items below for shortcuts, including museum hours, tickets, and who's inducted. So um, this chatbot was actually on Facebook. It was built through HubSpot um, and elsewhere as well. Um, and they had... Um, very helpful clickable options throughout. They had a clear purpose, never pretended to be human. Um, we're always clear about the fact that, hey, we've got live people answering this, but we've also got some options for you here. They knew their audience. They provided a fail safe. They provide a clickable option. Okay, I think I'm back. And they provided you know, they have econ uh, economic branches. So I can't show you the entire back end of this chatbot because it is a customer's chatbot, but they have very good branching logic that they've built in. And they also ditched the human act um, throughout this process. So this is actually a very good chatbot. Um, this, is, this is an example of how it should be. Um, the case study is available online. Um, there are also a number of additional case studies that are out now with companies that have done similar stuff to the Rock Hall of Fame. So I'll give you a second here just to read through that again, and then we'll move on. So this chatbot 
is ready to be shipped. This is a good example. This was built through HubSpot. So you can do it. You can go home and build a chatbot like this, or rather you may already be home because we're, a lot of us are working remotely. So you can stay where you are and build a chatbot like this. Um, and it can attain fantastic results for you. So let's talk about those a little bit. So they saw an 81% increase in their audience size and 12% higher sales. And they attribute that to this chatbot. Um, to, or a couple of chatbots they've built, including this one. So that is a very impressive result, um, and it's worth the effort. So we're going to do a quick recap now. So we had GrowthBot that was doing pretty much everything right, and, and it didn't provide clickable options or economize on branches, but that's because it uses natural language processing. It doesn't need to do those things. But for you and me, um, who are building chatbots using HubSpot, and maybe we're going to put in some custom code in there for developers, but um, a lot of us are not. And so in that case, what you don't want to do is be like this anonymous example and just completely ignore the inputs that are coming in from the user. You don't want to do that. You want to be like the Rock Hall of Fame. You want to have a nice, polite greeting. You want to have a clear error message. You want to identify your audience have a fail safe. They have plenty of options here for you to control the direction of the conversation and have a fail safe. There are clickable options here, which is a best practice too in this case that they followed very well. They economize on branches and they don't pretend to be human. And when you talk about best practices, the most important thing is, is your chatbot ready to be shipped? So you can remember these here. They will be available to you in an email afterwards. Now that we've talked about these best practices, now that we've talked about these examples, a couple of you were asking about metrics. So let's talk about those here. Some of the most common chatbot metrics you're gonna encounter are goal completion rate, user interactions, the satisfaction rate, the total number of new users, and the self-service rate, okay? Now this is really interesting. Um, these I've picked these five because there are more metrics, but these ones are easily visible or something you can create within HubSpot. So I'll give you a second to read that. There's another way to summarize this. I was doing this presentation. I was like, I can't think of a word to summarize this. Summarize this. And then um, Kyle Jepson, actually, we were talking. He's like, oh, wait, look, it might be gusts. So here we have gusts. And gusts isn't quite as good as be shipped. <laughs> but it still gives you an idea of how to remember this. The goal completion rate, the user interactions, the satisfaction rate, total number of new users, and the self-service rate. So the total number of new users is just that. How many people have been interacting with your chatbot over time? How many people has your chatbot been exposed to? How much data is it gathering? So if you look at this in GrowthBot, 105,000 users in two plus years. So they were keeping track of this metric. The satisfaction rate is connected to that. So of the people interacting with your chatbot, how many of them leave satisfied? Did this chatbot perform well? And so if you, if you look at this branch here that I have, this is a view from a chatbot that I'd built. It simply says, what score would you give your chat experience today out of 10, from one to 10? And then people can just click on the number they want. Now, this is great because if you're presenting this to your prospects and customers, you can see how well your chatbot is doing and whether or not it's frustrating them. So this is a 
a kind of a cool way to incorporate NPS into your chatbot process, the satisfaction rate. And then once you have this in there, you can then use calculated properties in certain versions of HubSpot to then see averages um, and see how your chatbot is doing. User interactions. Now, this is a little different than the number of new users. This is not looking at the number of people. This is looking at the number of interactions. Now, this is important because you might have a very small, dedicated band of people who are just there all the time, uh, who are interacting with your chatbot a lot, and that'll boost up your number of user interactions. Or you might have a lot of people who are interacting with it a little bit. So depending on how this pans out, it's important to see the actual number of user interactions. Now the goal completion rate, this one is really important. Many of you have used workflows before, so you're, you're familiar with what goals are when it comes to workflows. If this happens, then remove this contact from the workflow. A goal completion rate is a little different, but it's allied to that concept. So if the goal is to book a meeting, then you can actually measure the number of meetings booked from that chatbot and then calculate the percentage. Um, using um, formula fields in HubSpot and using um, properties that are processed. So in the chatbot in HubSpot, this is something that if this were a real workshop, I would cover in a lot of detail. You can actually pass in values as people are completing actions. So when people enter in their email address, you can have something that says store this email address. Similarly, when people answer this question about, or, or when people book a meeting, you can have a property increment to one. Or two if they've booked a meeting. So this is an intelligent way to handle this process because in this particular instance you want to know how many people have completed the goal. Um, you might hear like the sound of like a siren or construction in a second here. Um, it's busy street. But, uh, but in this case the goal completion rate is an important metric for you to have. Um, otherwise you don't know whether the chatbot's doing the thing you want it to do. Now, if you look here, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame had a goal. They wanted to increase their sales numbers. They wanted to have higher sales. Um, they wanted to increase their audience size. And because they knew that ahead of time, they were able to design their chatbot accordingly. The self-service rate is really interesting. If you build a chatbot that's supposed to answer questions and make life a little bit better for your team and save you time and money, then you want to be able to measure whether it's doing that. So here, your goal is to see, like if the goal is, is for someone to book a meeting, you can measure the percentage of interactions that resulted in a meeting being booked versus the number of people that clicked, I wanna talk to a human. And then you can measure the difference between those rates. So I'll be including more information on how exactly to do that since it takes several steps in the follow-up materials, but I wanted you to know that this is an important metric to keep track of. So if we go back here a second, um, if we talk about the total number of new users here, um, and we talk about the satisfaction rate, the user interactions, the goal completion rate, and the self-service rate, these are the basic metrics that we have, but there are more advanced metrics. If you look at this, we've got revenue growth rate, fallback rate, confusion triggers, retention rate, and the AI or machine learning rate. Now this is really advanced. Um, some of these are very difficult to do without having some kind of a developer. And so that's why I haven't included them in this presentation. But if you want to be able to do these, um, I'll include links to how some people are doing them. Not always in HubSpot, but elsewhere.
Now you can do some of these things, like if you use the custom code functionality in HubSpot, there's a lot of cool stuff you could potentially do. But for most of us, we're looking to build a chatbot that's functional rather than extremely advanced. And so in that case, these metrics are good to know, um, but they are um, a little tricky to set up the first time around. So you can prioritize the first set of metrics and then work your way into the more advanced ones if and when necessary. So now that we've talked about these, if you have any questions about these advanced metrics, um, please feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. Um, you, can, you can even at mention me um, on various social media. Um, I'd be happy to answer your questions um, about the more advanced metrics. Feel free to email me as well. I'll be providing my email at the end. So just a quick recap again. GrowthBot was providing, was doing everything it was supposed to do, but it was using machine learning. Um, and it was, that's why it didn't have to provide clickable options and it didn't have to economize on branches. And I'm back. Um, that's GrowthBot. Now the next few examples here we looked at, you don't wanna be like this anonymous one here. You don't wanna forget everything. You don't wanna leave out your flowchart. You don't want to forget identifying your audience. You don't wanna pretend to be human. So don't be like this anonymous example. The Rock Hall of Fame is really interesting because this is an example built on HubSpot that's doing everything correctly. So you want to be like this example. You want to take this with you and apply it when you're building a chatbot. And so the best practices are, is your chatbot ready to be shipped? So begin by building a flowchart, start with a polite helpful greeting, have a helpful error message, know your audience, provide